Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, timeless investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding Podcast, sitting next to Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going today? It's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else as well. We hope everybody has had a good start to 2020, ready to make it a good year. And to make it a good year, let's talk about some of the stuff that we offer. If this is the first time that you are checking in with us, go to focuscompounding.com. It's an investing content website. One of Jeff's goals for 2020 is to write up how many stocks? Uh, it's about 260. It's one every weekday. So that's a lot. One yeah. every weekday. So when my blog post that I was talking about a few things, I actually said 200 plus because I didn't want to put you, you know, <laughs> okay, put the good. make Let's you 200 plus. Yeah, because I didn't want to like exactly quantify it just in case because that's a big goal. Um, but definitely go to focuscompound.com. And if you do sign up, use the podcast promo code. Uh, take $10 off of the subscription price. Take it from $60 to $50 a month. Cancel anytime. And then we also do have a discounted offer uh, for an annual membership. Uh, but yeah, there's probably over 100 different stocks written up on there. Jeff contributes to the website. I'm going to upload a post once a week about pretty much anything that comes to my mind. Haven't decided if it's going to be completely about stocks and maybe about stocks sometimes. Um, and then other times it may just be about stuff that I find interesting. Uh, but also members contribute to the website as well. But definitely go check it out. There's an A to Z section with over 100 different ideas. And Jeff is obviously contributing to the uh, website all the time. Also, if this is the first time that you are tuning in with us on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button, thumbs this video up. Uh, that will notify you whenever uh, we do upload a piece of content. We are going to be uh, back on the YouTube grind. And by we, I mean me. I'm uh, coming up with a few different ideas to uh, come up with different types of content to be a little bit more engaging on YouTube. So we're definitely excited about that. So definitely check that out. Uh, so today's podcast, we are going to be going over um, our five stocks snap judgments. And what I did was I went to our screen and I pulled five different stocks. Uh, you may be familiar with some of these. These are all overlooked stocks. Um, these are, I don't know necessarily if they're exactly good stocks, but they certainly are all overlooked, kind of all over the place. And the first company is the Singing Machine Company, ticker SMDM. Are you familiar with this company? I feel I like it's been a... I don't know that I am. I can't remember if okay. we've come across this or not. I mean, I know we've never written it up for the website. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Singing Machine Company, together with subsidiaries, engages in the development, production, marketing, and distribution of consumer karaoke audio equipment, toy products, accessories, music, and audio consumer electronic products. Do you like karaoke? Are you the type of guy that that will do karaoke in a bar or anything like that? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't seem like... Uh, it was founded in 1982 and it's headquartered in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You don't see a lot of headquarters That makes there. sense. Uh, 1982 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yeah. Sorry, karaoke. Yeah, um, I can't... I can't uh, there are karaoke companies in Japan. I have looked occasionally at karaoke companies just because I've looked at NetNets and things and there are quite a few karaoke companies in Japan. I, I think, honestly, even in Japan, that karaoke peaked like 20 yeah. or so years ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's still uh, but, big. But if you look at the, they must be doing something because revenue from 2010 has gone from 21 million to 46 million in 2019. So it's yeah. about a four percent ten-year Kager. Not mm-hmm. good, not great, but I mean better than losing uh, or it declining, I guess. Ten-year uh, median margins on EBIT 1.5 percent, uh, pretty thin. Um, it's currently trading 45 times earnings or an EV to sales of 0.2. Yeah, so what stands out to me about this company, a couple things stand out. Uh, so I'd have to know from the business description if you know exactly what they do, um, because the two questions I have, which you might be able to guess, are uh, one, what's going on with gross profit? That's a very low gross profit number, right? Median gross profit number? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, for instance, look at those 10 years. 1.5, oh, yeah. Uh, no, that's the, uh, the EBIT. Oh, I'm sorry, gross profit. Yeah, yeah gross profit. Gross profit. Uh, 23%. So, yeah, that's incredibly low. So um, to give people perspective on that, that's lower than most uh, like supermarkets would be. That's lower than um, – that's got to be as low as like even so – just a company that sold consumer electronics or something would be that low. So retailers of like um, – I mean, that's that, that's way below what a manufacturer would normally be, be having gross profit. And the other issue is free cash flow, median free cash flow margin is actually slightly negative. So something's going on where gross profit doesn't look that good and something's going on with their working capital where they're not really generating working capital, even in terms of what their EBIT number is. Um, so like their EBIT number isn't impossible uh, to, for the stock to be attractive. The same thing would be true for like um, price to book or something, right? So on price to book and price to sales, not that expensive. So even though it looks kind of expensive on PE and EV to EBITDA and yeah. all that stuff, if you look in a good year for them uh, versus today's price, it looks okay. Like it could generate enough in terms of a return on capital. It could generate enough in terms of a return on sales. Let's say it's 1.5% EBIT margin, right? And price to sales is like 0.2 or something. That's not that bad. I mean, uh, you know, just a slight improvement in the business and suddenly uh, that's cheap. Sure. You know, if, if it was 10 times or something. So if it was just for people know this, if it was like 0.15, was the EV to sales, let's say, and 10-year EBIT was 1.5%, then you get any benefit in terms of the business improving and suddenly you have a cheap stock because you're like low low double digits PE yeah. normalized right uh-huh. now. Um, that's the problem that I see. So I don't know why gross margin is that low. It depends on what they actually do. Um, and that's the part that I find odd here. Like what's the highest ever gross margin? Can you see that? Um, let's see. It looks like it was 19%, 22%, 22%, 23%, 22%, 21%. So it looks like uh, one year it was 26% in 26%. 2017. Yeah. Yeah. That's just an incredibly low gross margin. So I'd be curious about what they do exactly. I mean, I think it says some things about how they do connectors and what are these things that they say? Uh, connections to TV for, yeah, scrolling, for scrolling lyrics, lyrics. and for so some of these things sound pretty basic. As well as built-in cameras, Bluetooth, that recording stuff could functions. be, yeah, and also just how they sell it. Um, so anyway, it, it sounds like it could be pretty low value added to things, big commodity. I mean, what I'm getting here is this sounds like a pretty commodity type product, um, but the price is not terrible. Uh, it could be okay in terms of that if you figured out um, what the situation is. I just think the basic product economics aren't that great. So I could see someone buying it's like a Ben Graham type thing or something if it got cheap enough. Yeah. Like if you look at today's price and you imagine, okay, what if you knew that something was going to improve about the business? Or what if the stock was half the price it is now? It could mm-hmm. be attractive on those bases, like a value stock. I don't see it as like a long-term compounding type thing or something like that, just because the basic product economics of having gross margins that low seem rough to me. Alrighty, the next stock that we are going to go, be going over, uh, Federal Screwworks, ticker FSCR. Um, we could get a business description. And again, we're actually going to start recording our screens in the future. Uh, so obviously that 
uh, version will be available at YouTube if you want to visually follow along and look at these companies when we are um, looking at them in real time. So definitely go to uh, Focus Compounding on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Uh, but the Federal Screw Works manufactures and sells industrial component parts primarily to the auto industry in the United States. The company offers cold formed and machine pins, including piston pins, um, and then differential gear shafts, oil pumps, and shearing shafts for the automotive refrigeration and small engine industries. Uh, currently trading at a PE of negative 7.7. These numbers look uh, quite messy. We actually have a revenue number from 1995. So I wonder what happened because it goes 1995 to 2000. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was 1995 to 2003, and then... Okay, so this company's probably not even... That's I weird. believe the company's still... I th Why are these numbers? Companies? I still think it still exists. I think that means it stopped filing with the SEC. Yeah, because we only have so, one QuickFS from 1995 yeah, to Most websites do that, whether it's QuickFS or some of the other ones, that it'll stop if they stop filing. I think the company's still around, and that's, those numbers are correct. Should we look it up? Well, I think the problem is those numbers are correct using today's price against its earnings yeah, and stuff from back which then. which shows why it's negative. Um, yeah, so I was like, what? So uh, if I remember this company a little bit, I have looked at this company. It might be cheap. I think it's pretty speculative. Mm -hmm. um, so does it have, like, yeah. So does it have any recent thing? Okay, here we go. So this is from 2018? Yeah, okay. 2018, yeah. Yeah, so but what are the net sales for the quarter? So the sales, oh, for six months. So let's six, say six months. 35.5 So six months with 35. So we just double that and say 70, yeah. let's say. So that's not that far below what we're seeing here. Yeah, but it was 91 million in 2000, what, what was that? 2004, 91 yeah. million. So yeah, so I mean, it declined over the next 15 years, yeah. Um, but what's it? Is it making any money now? Um, net earnings six hundred thirty-seven thousand. Okay, so it made a million. <laughs> it's on track to make a million dollars. Yeah, And what's the? What does it say that like the market cap and stuff is now? Now that might not be accurate. The share count might not be accurate now, but it claims the market cap now is like. Um, Let's see. I don't even know where we could. Maybe Bloomberg. But I mean, on Quick FS, does it have the market cap? Yeah, um, Bloomberg gives it to us. Uh, they they claim the shares outstanding are only one point. Uh, then it's very, very cheap. 1.38 million. So yeah. 1.38 million, $6 share price, right? I mm -hmm. got that right. Um, so we're talking about, yeah, if it's if that's true for these six months, then in terms of net income and stuff, that's cheap, right? That's a single digit PE. Uh -huh. um, it, what I remember is pretty cyclical. Um, looked like the business had declined of the last 10 years or so. I don't remember if it discusses it here, but I thought there was some issue with either pension or debt. I don't know if they eventually paid that down or they... Uh, so this is a company that I have looked at in like the last 10 years and I thought might be cheap, but uh, just seemed like um, risky in certain ways. Not very predictable and kind of risky, maybe more of a value stock type thing. Do you have a chart, like a longer term chart just on the stock so on we can see that? On the actual stock itself? Let's yeah, see. OTC markets might have it. If it's an, Is it still, is it OTC? It's got to yeah, be if see. it's not filing with the SEC. So um, let's see, what, what did I say the ticker was? FSCR. Yeah, FSCR. FSCR. Federal Screw Works. Yeah, so if you look, yeah, oh, that's yeah, what I thought. Yeah. Okay, so the, this was a stock that was in the two earlier 2000s, right? Yeah. A 30-some dollar stock yeah. that went to, like, uh, it dropped 80% or something. And it had been consistently, like, the price that it was at in the 90s or 2000s is, you know, five times or something the price that it's been in the last 10 it years. It went right? from $38, and this looks like 2004. Mm-hmm. 
and the looks like the lowest point was 85 cents in 2009. Yeah, and it's recovered six times since then, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So if you could be down 80% or something in 80 or 90%, it, well, actually it could be down 90 some percent. Um, if you brought the very peak to the bottom, you could have lost almost everything. And if you bought at the peak to now, you could be up six times. So yeah, that I don't know enough about the company, but that's how I remember it. We don't have good data on it here. Um, so it just, yeah, it just looked like a, uh, kind of risky, but possible value stock. Yeah. Interesting. Next company, is it Altius Minerals Corporation, ticker ATUSF. Um, we got a market cap of 386 million. Um, Minerals Corporation operates as a diversified mining royalty, streaming, and mineral project generation company in Canada and Brazil. The company owns royalty and streaming interests in 15 operating mines covering copper, zinc, nickel, cobalt, iron, ore, Precious metals and a bunch of other stuff. Okay. Um, we have a revenue ten-year Kager in 2009, going from eight million to 31 million in 2018. That's about 10 percent mm -hmm. per year. Uh, ten-year median margins for gross profit. I mean, it looks like it's a uh, it's 100 percent. No, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, EBIT is negative. Um, yeah, this company looks quite messy. Are you familiar with it at all? No. Nope. And so what is it? So it's royalty. So it's revenue, which is presumably royalty and stuff they collected. Yeah. In 2009 was how much? Uh, 2009 was $8 million. $8 million. Then in 2014, it went down to what? <laughs> well, it went down to zero in 2013. In 2013. And then one, one in 2014. One in 2014. And now it's to 30? Yeah, $31 million. Yeah. It's just no predictability here. So based on the pat, this doesn't mean that the stock isn't great. It could be a great yeah. stock. It could be a terrible stock. But you'd have to read the filings and stuff to figure out what these royalties are and what they might be worth. There's no way based on the past financial record to make any decision about have this. You, have you looked at companies like this before, though? I have looked at companies that are based primarily on royalties. And, and like what, are your, like, what are you typically looking for? What are you trying to Literally understand? Literally reading what the royalties they're entitled to are. Okay. Like there's some that I've looked at that's like a trust, for instance. And some of it, sometimes it looked pretty attractive, uh, pretty speculative. But it works kind of like you can buy it at a time when it's not collecting much because it works almost more like a uh, warrant or something, the stock, right? Mm -hmm. Because what happens is it'll trade down to a really, really low price when you have almost nothing that you're getting in royalties, right? But then it'll go up to a much higher price when uh, times are good in whatever particular product you have, right? But you have to read what the actual royalties you're entitled to on that mine are. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if it's like you get 35 cents a pound or if it's that like you get a percentage of it or whatever it is, you know? Interesting. Interesting. And again, these are just snap judgments. So if you like the company and, uh, you know, you want to do, you want to let us know your thoughts on it, definitely let us know. But these are truly snap judgments. We have not looked mm -hmm. at any of these companies before other than this one. Well, this one, we this have. one this we one have one looked at. Coda Octopus Group, ticker C-O-D-A. Coda Octopus Group, together with its subsidiary, develops and sells underwater technologies and equipment for imaging, mapping, defense, survey applications in the United States, Europe, and Australia. So they do, um, think of like, 3D imaging for underwater stuff, right? Yeah. And you, sonar, you yeah. looked at this company a while ago. Uh, mm -hmm. Current valuation ratio, uh, it's currently trading at a PE of 11 times. 10-year um, CAGR on revenue, 0.6%, going from 13 million in 2009 to 18 million in 2018. Uh, gross margins, 10-year median margin on gross is 58%. 10-year median margin on EBIT is 19%. Currently trading at an EV to sales of 32 and currently trading 44 times EV to free cash flow. Yeah, so do you have... Um, the median returns are good, 27%. 10-year yeah. median returns for return on equity, 27. 10-year uh, median returns for return on invested capital, 
26%. Yeah, so um, this is one I looked at a few years ago. Someone brought it to my attention. I talked it over with some people, and I thought it was interesting. Um, it eventually uplisted in some things like that, and that's why I was wondering if you could get an actual stock chart. Because this went from being an overlooked stock, uh, somewhat illiquid, definitely overlooked, to being something that traded a lot for a stock that's this uh, small. It mm -hmm. became like a pretty hot trading vehicle, I'd say. Um, and I think that might have been some news on my impression is that probably had to do with like speculation on whether they would get certain Department of Defense type stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, some contract things like that. Uh, it doesn't have a longer term chart from that. No, it looks like okay. it's gone from three dollars though in 2017, um, and then in 2019, would when I guess all this liquidity or it became more of a mm -hmm. hot stock, it went all the way up to uh, looks like. At one point, fifteen dollars and thirty cents. Yeah. So wow. end of twenty eighteen, let's say, let's look at what's the low point in twenty. So that's like four dollars or something, right? Yeah, four dollars seventy cents. So it went in about a year from being like a four dollar stock to like a fourteen dollar stock, and then it's down to being what is it today? Like an eight dollars, eight dollar stock. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and a huge amount of volume change. If we can see this, unfortunately, mm -hmm. you can't see the screen. You will be able but, to. But <laughs> but the volume change is tremendous. So you have volume. I don't know. It's like look at the that. average one, volume the year before to the average volume the yeah. next year is like. What is that? Twenty times increase in volume or something yeah. incredible? It looks like I'm I'm just eyeballing this average. Maybe a million a day to one day went to was that twelve point five million? Okay, yeah. And then the following year, it's like every month. So every month is like they're trading in a month. You know, the following year in 2019 to 20 now we're starting 2020. So 2019 it looks like they traded more in volume in any given month than they had the entire year of yeah. like most of uh, 2018 or 2017. So it was an overlooked stock and it is not any longer. I think um, actually we could check that. So it says the volume we at least have today's volume. Uh, so yeah. far, I can so, just pull it up on. Yeah. The so market. I yeah get some idea of that because when I said that it went to being not overlooked, I think it's significantly not overlooked for a stock this small. Wow, it's gonna be so nice when we. Uh, can actually have the screen people are going to see in real time what we're looking at. <laughs> Focus compounding on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Um, so, yeah. So, it looked like an interesting company. It actually had always looked kind of like an interesting company, what they were doing. What happened is they they really cut back on some expenses and things. So, if you look at their 10-year or, or longer uh, results, what happened was they had sort of okay gross numbers and stuff, but they had too high expenses and then they really slashed all those things by a tremendous amount. We looked at a company in Norway that did something similar yes. in Orbit. Right, yeah, so, imaging and stuff like yep, that. Exactly. So the similar thing. Okay, so we have average volume uh, for Coda, sixty nine thousand shares. Um, so I guess we could just do this math real time for people. So mm -hmm. sixty nine thousand five hundred three. Multiply that by two hundred fifty two trading days a year, roughly at seventeen point five million. And then we could get the shares outstanding. Um, where's that at? We are down there, and yeah, ten point six nine. So you could already see that yeah. it turns so over more than hundred. It's turning over more than hundred. But it wasn't always like that, though. To your point earlier. No, and look at the beta. What's the beta say? One point eight three. Yeah, yeah one point eight three. That's a very high beta stock. Whereas it wasn't that way at all before. So you can see that sometimes it does happen that a completely overlooked stock becomes. Um, very not overlooked. Those numbers are really high for like a, a, a company with this small of a, a market cap. Yeah. Okay, so the market cap on this is what it's, eighty-seven million. Yeah, so it's deep into micro cap territory, and yet it's traded a lot. Um, interesting company. I really thought the company was very interesting. It's a very high price product, so I think the actual number that they sell is small. The number of systems that they were selling to people is small, but the amount of profit they get on each one is high. Uh, 
really liked the company and was interested in it, but it went from being very overlooked to being exactly the opposite. So if you want to see a case where you had an overlooked stock that a lot of times the overlooked stock that people talk about how that stays overlooked for a while and like what will happen to change it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this definitely this changed a lot. Example. And it was uplisting and stuff. They uplisted to like NASDAQ. And I think they've started putting out like more aggressive investor relations type stuff. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Last company of the day, K-Force Inc., ticker KFRC. $925 million market cap, industry, commercial, and professional services. Currently trading at a PE of seven, EV to free cash flow of 11 and a half times. Uh, 10 year CAGR on revenue is 3.6%, going from 910 million in 2009 to 1.4 billion in 2018. Uh, 10 year median margins on EBIT, 3.6. 10 year uh, median returns, so a median return on equity is 18%. Let's see what they do. Provides professional staffing services and solutions in the United States and internationally. It operates through technology, finance, and accounting and government solution segments. Mm -hmm. So they provide temporary staffing and permanent placement services to its clients, um, primarily in IT, it says. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was founded in 1962. Yeah. in Tampa, Florida, another Florida company. Yeah. Uh, we've seen a lot of companies like this show up on screens. Usually it's the magic formula screen or something. That's a staffing thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, for a few reasons. One, I don't know in terms of like, if we look at the chart in terms of return on invested capital, it's gotten a lot higher lately than it was before. I'd be a little worried in terms of where we are in the cycle. So like if we look at previous times where it earned pretty good returns on capital, it was earning pretty good ones in the, um, uh, sort of last economic peak, you know, before this most recent one. So in the in the so for instance in like um, the year two thousand or something, and in the year two thousand eight, not good numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. they like actually lost money or something. But yeah. in between, they made quite a lot of money. Um, same issue here, it's very which cyclical. is cyclical. Yeah, but this has been a pretty long. This might be longer than normal in terms of for a staffing company how long it's been good um, because of how low uh, unemployment has been, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. And things like that. So tight labor market for a while compared to what you'd normally be seeing. So that that would be my concern. And so then I'd want to see like, is it cheap? You know, uh, really cheap compared to today's mm -hmm. levels. I'd be concerned that it's uh, so like if we look at PE and stuff, it looks cheap. But right, let's see, EV to sales. EV to sales is point seven. Point seven, and the historical EBIT margin is like three point six. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that would mean that applying that, we're talking about um, about. Uh, and we're talking about about two times what would be considered like a really cheap price. We consider a really cheap price to be if um, the EBIT margin was, let's say, 7% and it was 0 0.7 times sales. So 3.6% is an impossibly um, low EBIT margin for something that we know is predictable, is going to grow every year and stuff. But like, what's the 10-year CAGR on revenue? 3.6%. Uh, yeah. And we don't know that we're not in a higher point in the cycle. See, if we were, at, if we knew that we were at like the bottom of the cycle right now, then it could look attractive. But mm -hmm. if you don't know if you're in the middle of the cycle or at a high point in the cycle, then I would really worry about those uh, prices and stuff. So it just doesn't look cheap to me. Sure. Out yeah. of the five companies that we looked at today, which would you be most inclined to learn more about? Um, I think the answer would be Coda if it was more of an overlooked stock. <laughs> yeah, if it was more of an overlooked stock, I think Coda, yeah, just because of what they do. We didn't read a lot about their business description in terms of what it is, but it is more interesting. Yeah. And uh, they, it's sort of, they seem to have successfully turned things around. Uh, I don't know, even that though is, I'm not sure about. Yeah. You know, none of the, I don't think we hit one company that's very predictable. Mm -hmm. I yeah, mean, maybe, kind of is place. the most predictable one we have the last one? 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, K Force is the I most guess. predictable. It's not even that predictable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we just didn't hit predictable companies this time. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with us. Like I said, go over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We are going to record the screen going forward uh, for the snap judgments. And then also when we do other podcasts, uh, we're going to implement a lot more stuff with the screen as well. So people will be able to see what we're looking at, be able to follow along. And I think it'll make it a lot more interactive for people. Uh, go to focuscompounding.com and be sure to sign up. And if you don't want to sign up, but you still want something from us, join the Gannon Gazette. The Gannon Gazette that goes out whenever we think about it, which right now we're saying every two weeks. But it should go to once a week. Should if go we, once a week. If I hit my goal of yeah, how many I'm Jeff hits up, his yeah. goal of 200 and what? <laughs> it's like 260. It's every 260. week. 260. Yeah. Okay. It's that every is a week ton day. of write-ups. Uh, so if you want to follow along with all of that, um, you know, with his analysis and everything, go to Focus Compounding and sign up using the podcast promo code, which but, is podcast. Yeah, the word podcast. The yeah. word podcast. And that will take 10 dollars off of the subscription price um and of course if you like the work we're doing here leave us a rating review uh, that definitely goes a long way and that helps spread the word i want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with us we'll see you in the next podcast take care hey this is andrew coon and that was the focus compounding podcast the podcast where jeff and i talk about actionable stock ideas investing concepts and the overall way that we think about investing at focus compounding capital management Go to focuscompound.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along.